T-ball pretty soon. Touching a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He caught him safe! He caught him safe! Unbelievable! That is remarkable. That is unbelievable! The throw beat him by a mile! Live. Did he get him? Oh, he took him. entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. This Torres had to scoop it and doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh-oh, he, he bumped him and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Carl Strike 3. Osmosis. Carl Strike 3. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. And he did. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. No, my goodness no. gracious. No, boy. no, no. you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Glad to have you with us. Here we go on a wild Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, yeah, middle of the work week, hump day. You know how we like it like that, right? Celebrating another Aces victory last night. The Las Vegas Aces take care of business, defeat the Connecticut Sun last night by a score of 89 to 81. Great crowd on hand last night in the house. And of course, the Aces now improved to 9 and 1, 6 and 0 at home, a seven game win streak. That's all happening. And uh, guess what? We get a chance to do it again tomorrow night. Connecticut Sun still in town. Licking their wounds right now <laughs> over at the Mandalay Bay. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow night. So, uh, great game last night. Big test for the Aces. Asia Wilson will be joining us momentarily here to uh, to talk about last night's victory. And always love talking to Asia. A little bit later on, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. We preview the NBA Finals. That's right, game one tomorrow night. Warriors-Celtics. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. As well, too. Plus, we'll talk a little Major League Baseball. B-Sal, Brian Salmon from News 3, will join us next hour. So, do we look forward to that? I don't know, Numchuck. Yeah, we? we do. We do. B-Sal is kind of fun. Yeah, it's fine. I always got to tell him that when we're doing a radio show, he doesn't have to get dressed. Yeah. Doesn't have to be dressed up, you know? I also heard there was a goat sighting yesterday. There was a goat sighting. Yes, yes, yeah. Got a couple goats. I mean, obviously, Asia Wilson's a goat. We know that. Uh, but uh, future goat, how's that? Well, she's an MVP. But Tom Brady was in the house yesterday. Uh, that's what you're referring to, right? Yes. Tom Brady at uh, the Michelob Ultra Arena came and watched the Las Vegas Aces, sitting next to Jim Gray, a guy that I've got a chance to work with in the past. So that was pretty cool. And of course, Tom Brady in town for the match which is taking place uh, right now. They're on the golf course getting ready. Yeah. I mean, they're they're warming up right now. So, yeah, the match on TNT. So Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. Uh, are we interested in that? I don't like the teaming. You don't like the teaming? It's Aaron mm. and... Uh, Pat, no, not, not, who is it? Yeah. It's, it's the old. It's the old versus the the, yeah. the young. It's it's, Bra- it's Brady and Rogers. Brady and Rogers. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they should have one old, one new. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Maybe. Who knows? All right. Let's get it cracking here today. Joining us now is the MVP of 2020. And, of course, she had a fantastic game again last night against the Connecticut Sun. Uh, One of our favorites. She's everyone's favorite. The one and only Asia Wilson. Asia, what is up, girl? Hey, how are you guys? I'm good. How are you doing? 
Doing well, doing well. Okay, you got kind of like a little chill day today, right? A little, a little video, a little film watching, or you know, or was this just all about you know? All right, let's get a hair appointment in. <laughs> no, uh, it was definitely the film. Just left film, got some treatment done, and now I'm about to head back and just kind of chill, kick my, kick my feet up because we got another one. Tomorrow. I know. I know. I was looking for you earlier today. I said, okay, I don't, they, she's she's busy. She's taking care of business. She's scoping <laughs> in on what she did right, you know, and uh, looking ahead to tomorrow night. I mean, all good. All good. All right. Uh, so let's talk uh, first about last night's game. Uh, very impressive once again. A tough opponent in the Connecticut Sun. They came in here with the second best record in the league. You guys responded again. And really, Asia, it was more of the same. Balanced scoring, good defense, and another win. Uh, give me your thoughts on the victory. Yeah, I mean, Pond has been a team that has had our number for quite a year. Uh, and it was a, it was going to be a good test for us. And we came out and we stuck to our game plan and our principle. And we made sure that we got the job done. Uh, we still have a lot more things that we need to work on. But, uh, I mean, it's a good con team, and it kind of feels like we're in a series at this point because it's, we play them again tomorrow, and it's like they have time to adjust and make different things like that. So hopefully we come out with the same energy. We've seen this now a lot, and other t- you know, the league is doing it where you're facing the same team, you know, kind of in back-to-back situations. We've already seen, you know, the Mercury, uh, you know, come in here, and you guys are already pretty much done with that series, and you beat them three times. How do you like facing the same opponent like this and you know twice in three nights i don't like it at all <laughs> i absolutely do not like it because it's kind of like you save it for playoffs like that's what playoffs is for that's what makes playoffs so exciting because you play the same team you had that series and it kind of sucks when you have to do it throughout the regular season especially if you see the team again in the playoffs it's like this is our ninth time playing you right now um in a quick span so i don't preferably like it but i guess because of scheduling and east coast west coast you got to schedule this way but hopefully we can get some more spread out some things you know you talk about the matchup with connecticut uh, you're facing some big some really talls as you know with john quell jones and then you got brianna jones who who comes off the bench you got Dewana bonner uh talk a little bit about the matchup from your perspective about facing those guys yeah, I mean they match up really well with us because they're they're long, uh, they're agile, they're they're crafty, and the same with us. So the biggest thing when you have a matchup like that is making sure that they can play on both sides of the basketball. Like, got to make them work, uh, tire them out the best way you can. But at the same time, it's hard because they're really good at what they do. So I love a matchup like that because it makes me think and work hard every possession. Twenty four points last night, fourteen rebounds, uh got the job done at, at both ends. Talk a little bit about that because you know we have seen, you know, some of those nights, you know, the numbers have not, you know, been there, you know, for you, which I know that you're not concerned about as well. But I know that a lot of people will say, well, you know, are Asia's numbers down for a reason or anything of that nature? Give me some thoughts on that when you hear that. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is I can only control what I can control. Like, I'm not going to dim anyone's light if they're playing well. Like, if, if Jackie's playing well, if KP's playing well, it's no point of trying to force it into me because of what people may think or what people may say. I think at the end of the day, my teammates understand what I'm capable of and what I can bring to the table, and they trust me in that way. So, And, and it's vice versa. I'm going to do the same for them. So um, I just try my best to at least be productive, not necessarily have to get up a shot every time, but at least we let the ball play through me uh, because we know that people have to play 
uh, me straight up. So I, I try to be that for my teammates no matter what. Asia Wilson joins us. We're talking about the Aces' victory over Connecticut, 89-81. And then again, the Aces face the Sun tomorrow night at the Michelob Ultra Arena. The mindset coming into this season, I know you and I have talked about this before, but I kind of want to go back into this, where we go back to last year and no one uh, on the team or anyone affiliated with the organization was happy the way the season ended last year, losing to Phoenix in the playoffs. You guys had an eye on the finals. What was the focus like and what was talked about during training camp, especially when you guys all got back together really for the first time to you know focus on this season? I think the biggest thing in the in the energy that you felt immediately was, you know, unfinished business. Like, I feel like the core group of us kind of looked at each other, and we were like, we all felt like crap after the season, and we should never have to go through that. Like, we worked too hard to put ourselves in good situations to end the season like that. So I think we felt disgusted, uh, but at the same time, when you have a new crew coming in, like a Becky Hammond coming in, she helps you think with an open mind. And I think we all had an open mind to what needed to be done. And we understood that we're, we don't want to feel like we did last year. So we're doing whatever it takes to make sure that we don't feel that way. And I think it's kind of helping us and it's playing in our favor. How has it been like for you, Asia, playing for Becky? Obviously, new system and that sort of thing. But talk, just talk yeah. about playing for someone that obviously you, know, you kind of look up to. And, you know, she's like WNBA royalty. Yeah, it's 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 a dope feeling, honestly. I've been blessed to be coached by some pretty great people. Uh, so when Becky's name gets added to the list, it, it is truly special. Um, the communication that we have is great, and I can really appreciate the little things that she does to help us just get better as athletes, as, as women, and that's what I love most about it. So it's been a lot of fun playing underneath her, um, and I think this is just the beginning. New system perimeter-based to a certain degree. And there have been games where, like I said, you haven't been that boy, big point production you know, uh, person or you haven't needed those big point production nights. Has there been an adjustment for you within this system? Yeah, for sure. I think but the biggest part probably the adjustment has to be is on the defensive end. Uh, I'm playing the five, and that's probably been an adjustment for me because – uh, the four is hard in our league, but the five is ten times stronger <laughs> stronger in our league. So I'm undersized in a lot of different ways. But, you know, uh, she's built a system around me that I can trust to play the best defense that I can and knowing that my teammates have my back. So that's probably been the biggest adjustment. Offensively, I get my shots when I get my shots. I'm not going to stray away from that at all. But um, so far it's been good. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, it is an adjustment for a player, especially on the defensive end, when now maybe you're guarding someone either maybe your size or, or smaller in a lot of those occasions. You know, like you said, now you're really guarding their bigs, and a lot of times you're you're having to give up, you know, size and inches, you know, to that opponent. And again, it's, it is probably a little bit more physical for you so far this year as well too, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, I, I'm glad that I prepped the way I did in the off season because it's not too bad. Uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it is a size differential in our league, and I just got to continue to try to hold it down for my teammates. So having KP and Derek Ahambi in the starting lineup with you, how has that been for you? Uh, it's been cool. It's been cool. I think it's been an energy that we've had uh, in, in, in the past years that would just come off the bench, but they're bringing the same energy that they did, and it helps us in the starting five with getting our energy up, with falling into things. And I'm happy that they are having this opportunity to be a starter because 
we know last year they could have been starters anywhere, uh, but they decided to trust the process and, and stay on board, and now they're, they're a starter, and now we're moving and grooving like a well-oiled machine. Yes, you guys are, no doubt about it. Las Vegas Aces, a former MVP. Actually, I shouldn't say former MVP because that's no good. You're the MVP. You're the 2020 MVP. Or should we just say MVP? <laughs> what should we say? No, it's all good either way. It is good. All right, speaking of that, Asia, do you feel any pressure or responsibility of, like, being the face of this franchise and one of the premier players in this league? Yeah. I mean, coming in my rookie year, I think Bill made it clear that um, I am who I am, and a lot of people are going to want to follow me. A lot of people are going to want to be beside me, play alongside me. He said that's the – perks of it all um but what comes as perks is, is a lot of pressure that you may uphold just because of the position that you're in but i've been in this position for a while uh pretty much since college so i'm built for it and i surround myself with people that are so good to me uh that it kind of helps relieve that pressure but being a friend being the franchise player uh, of this franchise it's something that I take with a lot of pride because they trusted me. They drafted me to build a program and to gain a fan base and to grow. Um, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to help us be in a, in a great light. But when it comes to just the WNBA, I'm going to be who I am. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that the league allows me to do that because, you know, it's different. It's hard out here being a WNBA player. Mm-hmm. So if I can be myself, I think it helps out a little bit more. No, and the reason why I ask that is because it's not for everybody. I mean, a lot of people maybe cannot handle that. And I remember, you know, day one when you came in here, it was like, okay, number one overall pick. You know, here we are, new, uh, basically new franchise, new city, even though it was just a relocation thing. But it was really, you know, it was a, a, a new marketing, branding, you know, for everybody here. And you've handled that, you know, extremely well. And, uh, again, I think that, you know, you know, what comes with that a lot of people don't see, like the just overwhelming media request and then maybe having to, you know, to be invited to, you know, into the national studios of ESPN and that sort of thing. And it can be a wear and tear on you. It's just not during the course of the season. It's the off seasons as well, too. But it seems like you have handled that perfectly. I don't, really don't know too many people that maybe handled it better than you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, I mean, I, I, and I mean that. And again, I know how demanding that it can be for you. I know that at times it's got to be, oh man, like, you know, here we go again. But so how do you compartmentalize yourself with that and to be able to still kind of have your own Asia time? Yeah. Um, you just kind of find it. You find it in your groove. Uh, that's what I mean by I think that's the biggest thing that I've done this season and I said that I'm going to do this season is really take my off days. I think sometimes in off days um, I kind of get so caught up like, okay, i got to be doing something. I have to go in the gym. I have to do this. And not knowing that over time it wears and tears on your body. So for me, when I take my off days, I may take a couple of days where I'm like, okay, media request, we can do this, we can do that. But when I take my off days, they are off. <laughs> the only people I probably talk to are my parents. And they already know, don't even talk to me about basketball. So I just surround myself with people that really help me take my mind off the game when I need it. So it's fresh and refreshed when I actually really need to lock into the game. So it's tough. And I, I here I am at year five, and I'm just starting to realize how to compartmentalize my life when it comes to things like this. But it's tough. But kind of once you find it and you're in your groove and you set those boundaries for yourself, and you surround yourself with people that understand that, it makes it quite easy. 
Yeah, and you know, part of that too is also maybe dealing with some uncomfortable issues or controversial issues that, you know, maybe if you weren't a superstar, people would not, you know, want to either heed your advice or ask you those questions. How comfortable do you feel about talking about some of these issues? And like, example, the travel situation that's gone on with the WNBA. I know you've been vocal about that with a lot of people. They want that corrected. Or maybe, again, collective bargaining issues or just then we have, you know, the the craziness and the nonsense with the shootings that, that are going on. I mean, people really want to get a perspective from you on all this stuff. So how comfortable or uncomfortable are you with some of this stuff? Um, I'm in between, but I don't even think I want to say I'm necessarily uncomfortable, but I understand that I don't know everything. Uh, I, I could be probably one of the first, not the last athlete that would tell you, if you ask me a question and I don't understand or I do not know how to answer it, I'm not afraid to say I don't know how to answer it because at the end of the day, I don't. <laughs> and I, I'm still human. I'm still doing my research. I still read up on things that I may want to talk about or may not want to talk about. But um, And I feel like I have every right to say no to some questions. And I think that's the more uncomfortable part on, on the media side is when we're like, well, I don't really know. But I don't have any problems with addressing that. And also at the same time, pushing out what I feel like I would like to push out, trying to putting things in the light. But I'm not afraid to have those conversations nine out of ten times. But if I am, I would definitely let you know, uh, let you know, and, and, and we can go from there. But it is tough when everyone wants to hear your voice in something or wants you to be seen somewhere. It's tough to kind of say no because you don't, in this world, you get canceled or you get pushed out. Right. And it's hard. But at the end of the day, I feel like if you're doing something that's best for you and how you feel from within, you can't really, you can't really feed into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel fortunate. You've never told me no, so that's good. You know? <laughs> but I don't push a lot of those boundaries as well, too, because I respect, you know, not just your privacy and other athletes' privacy as well, too. It's Again, it's like keeping it into context. But, again, like we talked about, it, and, and you get it. You're five years into this that, you know, people are going to reach out to you and, you know, people you've never even met or heard of. And it's like, okay, people from foreign countries. I know that there's a lot of foreign media that have come to you as well, too. You know, it's like, okay. Right. Uh, you know, how do you handle this? And, no, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the air and I, you know, have you on. And we talk all the time. It's just that. But the bottom line is, no, you handle yourself like a pro. And I think that that's something that that maybe other media people need to know or the fans need to know as well, too, that, you know, what you have is a pretty difficult job here. And, you know, you got to respect the space of of yeah. these athletes as well, too. So I guess that that's the point that I'm trying to make here and, and praise you for doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So Las Vegas, five years here now. Uh, you signed the contract uh, e- extension as well, too, which is great. You got Chelsea Gray here for another couple years. Jackie Young as well, too. And mm-hmm. I know that Mark Davis you know, wants to get Kelsey Plum signed and, and others here. How good does that make you feel, number one, that you know, you got an owner like Mark Davis that is treating this organization, you know, like he would his own, like he like he does, like with the Raiders, and just you know having the surrounding core of you guys, you know, kind of taken care of. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of it. When you feel good, you play good. Uh, and that's what Mark's really big on is being a player-first owner. And I, I can greatly appreciate that because he set in the standard in the league that's like, this is what we should do. This is what we should be doing. And it's great to be a part of it. Um, and when you can sign a core and see the core re-signing for years, I think that's a beautiful thing because that's how legacies and dynasties are started. Uh, when you have a core group that's been together for a while, they played along each uh, played along each other for a while. Like that's a beautiful thing to see. So I'm glad that people are getting on board. You spend a lot of time here in Las Vegas, not just during the season, but in the off season as well too. And you you make appearances. You go watch other games. You watch UNLV. All this other stuff. Uh, is it what you expected when you first came here? And and how much do you really like it here? I mean, I, I, it's not what I expected when I first came here. I thought it was going to be a crazy wild city. Uh, but once I got in and once they welcomed me with open arms, uh, it's kind of like it's literally my second home, um, knowing that it's a town in, inside of a town and being well-known and people seeing my face in a marquee it, it's on the strip is pretty big time. And I love being out in the community as much as I can because they support us in the summer. So I try my best to pay it back. Uh, but I, I love it here. I, I really do love it here. And I'm not just saying that because they signed my paycheck. But, no, uh, Vegas has become a, definitely a second home. And, and it's where my family, even from South Carolina, is just like they plan trips throughout the year to come to Vegas uh, because it's just it's a great it's a great city to be in. And, and, and the beauty of it is it's just beginning. Like, it's just beginning to grow. All right. Speaking of uh, mom and dad, when are we going to get moms back on and play a little Name That Tune? <laughs> They should be. They come out once a month, dang near. So hopefully we can catch when they're out here for June. But okay. Now I'm fun. gonna I'm gonna hold you to this because that was <laughs> that went over so well when we did that before, and so we're gonna get you and moms doing it. And this time, I promise we'll get a little bit more modern songs for you. Okay. And we'll, we'll okay, we won't just put it all on moms, but moms is pretty good with the old school. I gotta give her that. Yeah, like that. That she's she's really good at her music. My dad is too. I think that's where I get my rhythm and my listening tunes from my parents because that's all they used to play in the house. It's just music tunes, and it was just we'll just have literally have a party. <laughs> so that we got to get we got to get pops involved. We got to get pops involved too because if he's got the the old school knowledge, you know, the old school music knowledge too, then we gotta we gotta get his take on this too. Then yes, please, because he is he is a. <laughs> Music fanatic. Oh, that's it. I'm. We're 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 doing this now. Okay, we're gonna find a window and we're we're gonna do this and it'll we'll, we'll have some fun as you know. It'll be a good time. Okay. <laughs> we did it okay. once. We'll do it again. Final thing for you. Uh, NBA Finals. I, uh, who you got? You got the Warriors. You got the Celtics. Break it down, girl. You get to play Asia Wilson, the analyst. Now let's go. Oh my goodness, you put me in a rough spot because I have friends on both teams. I know. Oh man, um, I can't even say exactly because I'm not even trying to get in trouble, but I know this is going to be a, a, a good series. Uh, I think it's exciting. I saw today they said that Celtics are winning by 80%. Now, I don't know about that percentage, but I think it's going to be a pretty decent series. So I, I, I can't pick my winner because. I don't want my homeboys mad at me, but it should be a good one. <laughs> Come on, it's just between us, uh, you know, us uh, friendly <laughs> folks here in Las Vegas. I mean, come on now, you got to break it down, girl. I mean, now let's go. You got to lean a little bit towards the Warriors because uh, a lot of people are comparing the Aces to the Warriors offensively and everything now, right? I mean, the starting fives are kind of similar, right? 
You're looking like something. Exactly. But I, I tell people when they want to make that comparison, Asia Wilson is no Draymond Green. Okay. Do not put her in that sense. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe maybe KP is like uh, like like Steph or something. You know. I don't know. Maybe I can see that. That's a little bit. Yeah, I that's, can see that. That's good. That's good. All right. So no, we're looking forward to this. But I I don't know how much time you actually get a chance to to watch much of the NBA because you're so busy anyway. Yeah, it's tough. It really is tough. But sometimes I catch the like West Coast games too. It's really tough when they're in playoffs because we're definitely in the heat of the season. But uh, preseason, I kind of watch them throughout the regular season. Okay, so you you already put it out there now. Are you going to share with us who your homies are on each team? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't mind sharing that. I mean, I got Jason, who else? Jason Grant Williams, yeah. Draymond, Steph. Um, Damian Lee, yeah, a good bit of them on both sides. There you go. All right, good stuff. And we've seen some of those guys come to the games as well, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very supportive. All right. What were your thoughts last night when you were either going down the court or you heard the rumble that Tom Brady was in the house? I mean, we made eye contact when he was leaving the building, and he said, good job. So at this point, I can check his name off with the celebrity boxes uh, <laughs> All right. that I that I <laughs> That I met. <laughs> so, Asia, who are you more in tune with last night? Uh, we, who would you rather get a selfie with, Tom Brady or Coolio? Ooh, I don't know. Coolio had my jersey on. Yes, he I did. Watching Keenan and Kel, so he's the theme song. So, I think I had to do Coolio. Yeah, there you go. He he was sporting the twenty two last night at halftime. Yeah, that was great. All right. All right, girl, we'll let you go. I appreciate it, uh, as always, and uh, good luck uh, tomorrow night. We'll see you at the house. And, uh, I don't know, give a little shout-out to the Aces fans. Tell them to get out to the house tomorrow night. Go ahead. Yes, please, all Aces fans, fans in general, sports fans, please come out to Michelob Ocean tomorrow night as we take on the Connecticut Sun once again. It's going to be a great game, a lot of fun, a lot of action. See you there. There you go. Appreciate you, girl. Thank you. See ya. All right. There she is. Asia Wilson. The MVP. There it is. Once the MVP, always an MVP. It's like a boxing champ, you know? Once you're a champion, you're called champ forever. There it is. So if you run into Asia at Target or whoever, one of her favorite spots, <laughs> what's up, MVP? There it is. All right. Kill a Coolio for me. Look at this. Yeah. So it's funny. It was so loud in there last night. I'm and we're at the table, and you, I, I didn't tell you to turn it down. I'm just saying, yeah, just keep. That's it all it was. It was the, it was the Keenan and Kel theme song that she was that talking she was about. talking about exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. So people are going, they're going crazy, and uh, and somebody next to me goes, "Who's that? Who's that?" And and the guys, the guys at the table were going like, they thought they said Julio. It's Julio. It's Julio. And I'm going. Julio? Who's Julio? Then, then, I, then I look out there and I was like, that's Coolio. Yeah, that's what we said. Julio. <laughs> but it's funny because at halftime, so Tom Brady is is sitting there next to the Connecticut bench, basically, and Coolio's out there performing, and then Mark Davis is over there talking to, to uh, Tom Brady, and eyes were split. Because people were like, oh, "Wait, we gotta, we, we gotta look at Tom Brady." Oh no, we gotta watch Coolio. Wait a minute, Brady? 
Coolio. What's the deal here? It's kind of funny. But anyway. But you know who probably stole the show last night? Again, I'm Chuck. The High Rollers. Yes, the ladies over 50. That's right. Hey, don't laugh. Have you ever seen the High Rollers perform? Phenomenal. And a shout-out to our girl Heidi Glassman. All right. Outstanding. And, uh, yeah, they got former Laker cheerleaders that are part of the High Rollers, former Raider Ets, and they're out there doing their thing. And when they busted out the Push It mashup last night, that was strong, man. It was strong. There it is. The High Rollers doing their thing at Aces Games this year. You got to check them out. I mean, come on. Tom Brady, Coolio, High Rollers. That's just one game. That's what you get. That's what you get at the house. Plain and simple. All right, I want to thank Asia Wilson, of course, for joining us. Get your tickets tomorrow night, Connecticut Sun. Yes, the Sun beat the Aces three times last year. Revenge definitely on the mind for the Aces. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, is going to join us next. We talk NBA Finals. It all starts tomorrow night. Can't wait. He yelled Cartwright. I missed that. Who's Cartwright? I'm Cartwright. You're not Cartwright. Of course I'm not Cartwright! There's only one Cartwright. The big seven-footer himself. Even though there's a lot of Cartwrights in that family. A lot. And there's a lot better looking Cartwrights in that family. I'll tell you that. That's okay. But there's only one card, right? The five-time champ. Three as a player, two as a coach. Do a little Chase Brown. I love it. Get down. Yeah, let me do it here. Let me do it. Here come. Here come. Be a card, right? Yeah, be a card, right? What's going on? You like my JB impersonation? Is that good? Very interesting. Um, <laughs> as, as as you know, I, I, I've seen JB in concert before he passed. Yes. Times. No, that's not a that's, that's not even close. Hey, I, I had dinner with JB one time, and 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 it was it was pretty interesting. I think I've shared that story with you, and yeah. I, I think I got I yeah. think I, I think I got the voice down. You, you give give me a give me a JB voice. Let's hear it. No, I don't I I don't do James Brown voice <laughs> because. Um, well, never mind. I'll stay alone. So, um, JB was uh, just one of a kind. Now, look, this guy wasn't a great-looking guy. He wasn't a tall guy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure he was a incredible singer. But that dude was the best entertainer of all time. Of all time, just a, just yeah. a great entertainer for hours. I I was in a concert in LA when he was there. Concert lasted about two and a two and a half, three hours. Everybody stood the entire concert. It was it was incredible. I've, I've never been in that kind of atmosphere before. When you when you talk about him and you know the tag for him is the hardest working man in show business, that's legit. That is legit because this guy was a workaholic. He was a rehearsaholic as well, too. But you're right. Once he got on stage in front of those people, 
I mean, it was nonstop. It's not like James Brown had a whole bunch of ballads either. You know, he didn't give you ballads. And that band was always so tight. And I know he demanded a lot of them. And, you know, the movies that are out there depicting his life and his career, that sort of thing. They're, they're pretty accurate, you know, from what I understand. But you're right, man. Uh, this guy, as far as an entertainer and as far as the tightness of a band. And as you know, I mean, we're not talking about a four or five piece band here. He'd have like 16 guys on stage. Amazing. The horn section, one of the best. Yeah, he was he was just one of a kind. He wanted things his way. Um, you know, he he really changed the way people perform. He 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 changed it totally. So we have somebody that innovative, that talented. Um, it just changes things around. So ever since uh, you know, I can remember growing up as a kid, he was he's was number one, and uh, and. You know, even though we like Chubby Checkers, he's he's really my real number one all time. Who's guy. who's we? Who, who's we? Me, me and you. <laughs> yeah. You you love Chubby Checkers. Uh-oh. You can't tell me you can't tell me if Chubby Checkers walked in, you you would fall on the ground and just bow down. I mean. I- I'll listen to his his music, but will I, you know, is he the greatest or my favorite? No, he's not. And and I got to say this, and I'm not saying this to embarrass you because everybody does it. And and it's upsetting that that everybody calls him Chubby Checkers. It's not a game. It's it's not Checkers. It's Chubby Checker. There is no S in his name. That's like people who live in Illinois. What do they say, Bill? I'm going to where? What do they call it? Illinois. It's not Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Do they ever drive you nuts when people would say, oh, yeah, uh, I'm from Illinois. We're in Chicago, Illinois. No, there's no S. There's no S in Illinois. There's no S in checkers. In checker, I should say. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> That's very humorous what you just said. But um, uh, I, I don't think you're probably the first person to – really take up this amount of time to talk about it, but I, I guess I, I should appreciate it. That's true. I mean, again, as you know, I am one for, you know, exactness, succinctness, and just, uh, you know, I, I want to I be accurate. I like to be accurate, you know? It's like somebody says, okay, uh, you know, what, what time are we meeting for dinner? 6.03, all right? That's what we're doing, 6.03. So yesterday, Numbchuck is giving me a bad time, right? And I'm going pregame. Tune into the pregame show at 5:30. Tip off at 6:03. He goes, "What do you mean 6:03?" I go, "Cause that's when the tip off time is." He goes, "Well, why don't you just say 6:05?" I go, "If I say 6:05, then you're going to tune in two minutes late, and the score is going to be 10 to five at that point in time." Meaning of which, Numbchuck, Numbchuck, yeah, I yeah. meant to tell you. I don't know if you saw the start of the Aces game last night. No, I was but, there. I mean, we had three, three, three. At six oh five, the score was something like ten to five. So don't give me a bad time about being precise with the time here, right, Bill? We must be precise, especially in this business. I think we just had the same conversation over again. I, <laughs> I really do. So. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, here it is, Chubby. Checker. <laughs> no, Chuck. Really? Really? You're doing this for the seven-footer? I don't know. And you've seen Chubby Checker in concert. 
How, did, I mean, we know he doesn't really compare to JB, though, right? No, it's, it's uh, you know, even though they uh, overlapped, uh, no, just a different style, different era. Uh, even though this guy will have, uh, you know, the twist will stand for all time. So that's just that's just on you. So so if you know of anybody else with a dance uh, that's going to stand up forever. Uh, I don't know. How, how about Let the mashed potato? How how about the mashed potato? That, that stands the course of time, doesn't it? Mashed potato, uh, people will remember it, but they won't know how to do it. All right, how about the jerk? Maybe, 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 maybe you know how to do it. <laughs> and the jerk's the same thing. <laughs> how about the robot? The robot lives forever in my household, as you know. Come on, Nutcha, give me some pop and lock uh, moving, moving here. I need some, I need some robot. I need some popping and locking. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, we're moving, we're grooving. It's a Dougie Doo-Wop show. There you go. Nunchuck, come on, stop, stop. There you go, Bill. All right, there you have it. Uh, there is your 50s and 60s rap right here with uh, Chubby Checker 2, singular, uh, and James Brown, singular. There you go. No one says James Browns, do they? Not at all. Just you. <laughs> Just you. Oh, man. It's music that stands the test of time. That's what it's all about. All right, man. We are getting a NBA Finals for the ages here. Now, we don't know if it's going to live up, but, man, how about the history here? The Celtics, the Warriors, best offensive team, best defensive team squaring at it. As much as you and I kind of at times despise the NBA or watching it, you got to admit, this is the series that we really want to see, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. And, and I, I, you know, you like me, you don't know what to make out of it because I don't know if there's good defense going on. I don't know. I, I know what's going on offensively, so that maybe justifies the good defense, but uh, this is the best matchup for sure. Both teams are very similar. Um, I don't think the Warriors have the uh, same kind of uh, backgrounds the Celtics does as far as championship-wise, so that can't measure up there, even though people are talking about dynasty, and you know, which is preposterous. So um, I think it's just going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be hard fault. We know both teams fight. Um, I do think the Warriors probably do a better job of sharing the ball. They, they share it. They get easy. If they make an extra basket, easy baskets, which is really kind of fun. Um, but the Celtics scrap, man. Those guys scrap, and they they, they never give up. So um, I don't like the pregame talk of talking about one or two guys. Uh, I, I just think that this gives us an opportunity to, to really know what makes both teams go. Um, and I, I, I think who's going to benefit best from the bench will be uh, will be ultimately the winner. So I think all of those factors played in. It it should be the Warriors, but who knows? Um, should be should be entertaining either way. But we we still got basketball going on. And by the way, I don't despise basketball. I just. Uh, 
I just have to change the way I'm uh, I'm not watching it to to be entertained by it, which is which is what I'm doing because I'm certainly not going to learn anything. <laughs> no, of course you don't despise it. I mean, you love basketball. There, there's no question here. But let's 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 just take a little time out here. Now you said. When people are talking about the Warriors being a dynasty, use the word preposterous. Let's let's examine that for a minute, okay? Now, we haven't really had a basketball dynasty probably since mm, that team you were on, the Bulls, right? Okay? Six, t- six championships, you know, three at a time. But when you're talking about winning the championship in 2015, 2017, uh, you know, 2018 – and then going to the NBA Finals in, what, six of the last eight years? They're in the conversation. I mean, no, th- this is this no, is not. dynasty conversation, no, my friend here. So please explain. And, and also they blew a championship up 3-1. They did. A, but they were a, uh, in the that's, finals. That's, that's, that's not a championship team. So dynasties, well, you have to win, right? Is that it what you're looked. saying? And look, and, and also OKC choked the championship. They, they could have easily beat the Warriors. So look, that team is not. That team is a year-to-year team, and to me, that's what sports is all about now. There's, there's, you know, after these, this probably after this Warriors team, there's never going to be another dynasty. But I'll tell you why. Because of player movement, players will leave for a dime more. So it's just the same thing's going to happen to baseball. There's never going to be any dice. There's, there's never going to be anybody to break AC Green's record. We talked about that of, of consecutive games played. It's, it's a different beast now. So um, teams don't stay together. The Warriors have been lucky to be able to stay together, you know. Uh, they've they've done a good job of uh, having their core group together, coaching staff and the whole bit. But uh, I'm just not digging that thought of, of, of conversation about a, a, a dynasty. And really, did we have a dynasty? I didn't see. I don't even really call. I don't even really like the call of the Bulls a dynasty because we blew. Championships, but Michael left. Blue, right? Six should have been eight. So, to me, that team, even though it was as good as it was, as dominant as it was, it could have been even more dominant and, and very easily. So, uh, now who's had a dynasty? It's called the Celtics. That's a dynasty, my friend. That's a dynasty. Eleven championships in thirteen years. Okay. Eleven championships. Okay, but listen, there, there's really that's, not much. That's a dynasty. There's not really much to compare it to, and people would, you know, they like to have the word "s." Here we go with the plural again, dynasty. So, who are the dynasties? With, one. The, with the with you say one only. Okay, would you consider the New England Patriots a dynasty? The pages are close. Okay, I mean, they're, they're close. Just, but yeah. now, with that being said, let's let's say okay, just for the sake of conversation. Okay, I'm not going to say argument for the sake of conversation. <laughs> let's say the Warriors win this championship this year. Okay, in two weeks they're crowned. Okay, that would be four titles in six years. 
six conference titles in the last eight years. They've won five straight division titles. Wouldn't that constitute as a dynasty? I mean, I think that's very debatable, and I don't think that you could just automatically say, no, it's not. Let's shut off the conversation that you can only say, okay, the Celtics only right now. No, I think this is legit. And I think you know to have a debatable topic like this or a conversation, it's not just now throw that out the window. That's, that's definitely not the case. I think you definitely have to look at this and say, nah, this is we, – we could have a debate. We could have an argument. Or we could just make the statement like, yes, the Warriors are a dynasty, especially if they win. And we're going back and we're talking about they blew the series to Cleveland. Yeah, that was heartbreaking if you're a Warriors fan and for those players. They were up three games to one against Cleveland. I mean, okay, but still – Okay, they didn't win that year. But they bounced back. It's not like they just went away. I don't know. That's it. All right, the big seven-footer had a a little problem with his phone here. I got a feeling his battery went dead. It's probably something like that, right? You want to to try him back, Nunchuck, and and we'll see. But if not, I'd be curious what our listeners think about that. Chime in. I mean, 702-221-221. 7283. Seriously, 702 221 7283. As far as would you call this Warriors team a dynasty, especially if they win this year, if they win this week? That's, I just don't, I, I, I kind of disagree with them. I do disagree with them that that's not, you know, they're not. Just say they're not. What constitutes a dynasty? I mean, that's another thing, too. I mean, you're going to go ahead and look this up and say, what constitutes a dynasty? Is it, you know, you must win X amount of number of championships in consecutive years? Or, you know, is there a window? It has to be, you know, five and six or seven years. I mean, what is it? I don't know. What is the definition? Let's go to Webster's definition of a dynasty because that is probably one of the most loosest terms it's a popular term. And, of course, everyone likes to crown people champions before they're even champions. And we like to heave praise, you know, unnecessarily a lot as well, too. So, I don't know. Curious. Have you got thoughts of that to uh, uh, chime in here? Let's see. Let's, let's look this up. Definition of dynasty. A succession of rulers of the same line of descent. A powerful group or family that maintains its position for considerable time. Hmm. To me, that describes the Golden State Warriors from 2015 to 2022. That's what I think. Are they a dynasty? Interesting take there. All right. All right. So the big seven-footer, obviously, uh, we were in mid-conversation here, and the phone went bye-bye. So... How can a guy not check his phone? You know, barring that his phone just blew up or something, I don't know, or he dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> I know, I don't want that visual or that thought. How do you go from blowing uh, up to blowing well, up? Well, I'm just trying to think. How, 
outside of your battery going dead, and you know, you got to know before you get on a call if the battery's going to go dead or not. That's what I'm saying. Or you charge it. I'm just saying, I'm trying to say, okay, how could something like this go wrong in your phone? You know, we're in the middle, mid sentence, mid conversation, boom, just you're gone unless it's dead battery, but you got to plan for that. Okay. He's a planner. He was pop locking it and it dropped. The pop lock, very nice. I I doubt, yeah, he's not a pop locker. So that's why I say that. So what would make the phone do that? Dropping it in the toilet or blowing up or, you know, explosion or something? You tell me. No, no nothing. Clue. No clue. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about the match. The match? I don't know. How do we go from the match? How do we go from dynasties to, to the match? Oh, because you have Tom Brady, you have the GOAT there? The GOAT. In there with that? Uh, I was going to save that for ne- I really wasn't even going to save it for next hour. But anyway, I don't know. If you want you want to try him back, uh, try him back. In the meanwhile, we'll, <laughs> we'll look at that. All right. So anyway. All right. <sighs> One of those days, yeah. I, I, now I'm more curious if you do get him back on. It's like, what happened to your phone? That's it. And you go, uh, you go immediately to plugging it in. That's what you do. What do you got, him, Sean? Do we leave him a voicemail? Do we want to have fun and leave him a yeah, voicemail? Yeah, let's leave, okay, let's, let's leave voicemail. That'd be good. There you go. All right. You, yeah, you might as well go ahead and, and let people hear his voicemail, too, because it's that message. It's ridiculous. I think that this message has been on for, for at least 15 years that I've known. Same message. Here we go. So we get no rings. I mean, it's phone dead. It's yeah. probably laying in a toilet somewhere. Are, are, are we actually going to get the message? Does, does the message actually come on? There we go. This is Bill Cartwright. <laughs> Leave me a message. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. So the big question here, back to dynasties, is what constitutes a dynasty? But now that we kind of lost your connection there, we go to this. What would give one in the middle of the afternoon for their phone to just go dead, for you to drop a call? It's either A, the battery's gone dead, which it seems like, but for someone who is, you know, like we say, succinct or organized, that... I don't think that would happen because you wouldn't come in and say, I'm going to do an interview knowing that you had a low battery of less than 2%. So we're going to rule that out. So then we go to B, which I would say the phone maybe had to blow up or something, even though I didn't hear an explosion or C, it dropped it in the toilet. Did you drop it in the toilet or is it D, none of the above? That's what I want to know. Big seven footer. What happened to your phone? Is it the battery where you are a little bit careless and not checking your your battery life? All right. We'll let you uh, figure that out. And when your phone does come back on, if it does come back on, that uh, you can give us an answer. There you go. Thank you very little for your participation today. How's that message? Is that good? <laughs> All right. With that being said, oh, this is my jam. Ronnie Hudson, the pop lock. Yeah. This is West Coast, baby. You can just play this out. See, Asia can relate to this. Yeah. I, I, I can hardly wait to get, to get her mom and dad back on with me. We, we did this. Uh, and this is, this is pre-Numchuck. 
All right. No, you were part of the replay. We replayed it. We had Asia and her mom in studio and Sinbad on the phone. And it was the battle of the old school name that tune, which we used to do a lot at, uh, a few years back. So there you go. So, yeah, we're going to do that. All right, I want to thank Asia Wilson for joining us. Uh, check out the website and check out the article, the blog about the Aces being 9-1 and one and rolling. And, again, tomorrow night they're back in the house. Get your tickets at access.com, A-X-S.com, Aces and Sun tomorrow night. My man Jay Schrader, he's going to be in the house tomorrow night as well, too. you got to like that. What? Where am I going? You're I'm making it seem like we're done with the show. We have a whole other hour, buddy. We do? Yeah. I know that. Who said it? I was wrapping up? I'm just wrapping up the hour. <laughs> Next hour, B Sal's going to join us. And who knows what else is going to happen here on your wild Wednesday. Capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the TC Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> Back at it, hour number two here on this Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. All right. I want to thank Asia Wilson for joining us last hour. Go check out the website, tcmartinshow.com. That interview will be up there a little bit later. Our interview from uh, a couple weeks ago, Bill Lambeer is up there talking about his retirement. Uh, good stuff there. And, then of course, the blog up there regarding the Aces victorious last night against the Connecticut Sun, who's the best team in the WNBA? 9-1, the Las Vegas Aces. All right, Brian Salmon's going to join us. He's been out there checking out him and Jesse Merrick out there last night. We'll get B-Sal's uh, thoughts coming up here this hour. Andy Isco, one of my favorites, longtime handicapper, the logical approach. He's going to join us this hour as well, too. We'll talk to Andy and talk a little Major League Baseball and uh, preview the NBA Finals. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we will... Talk to probably the seven-footer again if he gets a new phone today. Uh, Jim Barnett will join us tomorrow as well, too. Uh, one of our, our favorite uh, guys, uh, Alan Snell, loves Jim Barnett as well, too. There you go. Numchuck, what are you doing? You're, what? I'm just saying we should get the golf guy that we have. I can't think of his the name. The golf guy? The golf Scott Savlov? There you go. The Savlov. golf guy? The golf uh, guy. About what? Oh, about the match. About the match. He can recap the match tomorrow. Okay, Scott Savloff tomorrow. There Boom. That's some producing right there. All right, the match. We really want to talk about the match. All right, we'll talk about the match, I guess. All right. Anyway, um, 
you threw me off there. I mean, you're, you're pretending to do a lame golf swing or something, and you threw me off and whatever. So anyway, oh, yeah, I'm telling you about yeah, our guest. Jim Barnett joins us tomorrow. Right. One of Alan Snell's favorites. There it is. Shout out to my guy, Alan Snell. He's got a birthday coming up, too, just so you know. Not, not that kind of birthday, but for LV Sports Biz. Yeah, five-year anniversary, uh, one million uh, readers. Nice job. Alan Snell, and we're going to be celebrating that with him coming up uh, with an event uh, that he's got coming up here uh, next Friday. So we'll have him back on the show as well, too. And and Alan comes out to the Aces game. So, uh, yeah, very good stuff. All right. um, I'm going to parlay that to an article that Alan has actually got coming out here since, you know, it kind of got me going here. So... Was sitting talking to Mark Davis last night for quite some time. Love talking to Mark. And Mark loves talking about the Aces. He's so passionate uh, about the Aces. We were talking about the league and where the Aces are right now, the success that they're having, but just more importantly about the league. And I know Alan Snell has got an article coming out. I think it came out today, right? Oh, there it is. All right, and I, he's got some quotes from me in it. There he is. Okay, uh, along with Mark Davis. Good. So, okay, th- so I'll talk about this, all right? And so we're, and we're talking a lot about this, is like what do the Aces need to do to draw more fans? Now, don't want to paint the picture here is that the Aces are, are not drawing fans, because they are. The Aces have a really strong, passionate fan base. And that fan base is a core of about four to five thousand fans. Now they will get more fans, but they'll be the casual fans of the center. So what can the aces do to to increase that? Here's what the aces have right now. They've got a great product. They got a great team. The problem is there are still people that are just not familiar with WNBA or not willing to give it a shot. And this is what's mind-boggling with me, is that this league has been around for 26 years. They are in the 26th year right now. This is a well-established league. Now, at the beginning of this league, like every other professional league, the product really wasn't great in the beginning. You know? They had they brought in the WNBA, Title IX, all that stuff that came in with college and everything, with quality with women's sports and that sort of thing. And yeah, I used to joke around, you know, back in the late nineties and say it's kind of the, the layup league. And but the game has changed. The talent uh has gotten so much better. The skill set uh of all these players have gotten better. And again, it is on par with any other professional. You know, sports organization. Are you eating my cookie that I brought you? There you go. I just looked at that as I digress. <laughs> anyway. But the Aces do a fantastic job of getting involved in the community with the players. <laughs> I know you're calling cookie day. Because I'm, I'm on my thing here, and then you just distracted me with the cookie here. You don't need to be eating go- I did bring that cookie for you. I thought you didn't want the cookie. Now you can't even talk because your mouth's full of cookie. Right. Yeah. That's 
And since when did Wendy's get sugar cookies? I'm going, I go to the drive-thru today, and I know I don't care. This, this is what you get today, okay? Yeah, I'm, that's it. I'm all over the place. I go to the drive-thru, and I'm thinking, I need something. Uh, I wasn't near a Freddy's, so I couldn't do that. So I drove by a Wendy's. I said, I got to have some Wendy's, okay? I haven't had Wendy's forever, so I'm going to go with the Wendy's, all right? <laughs> Everyone in the studio is laughing at me or they're looking over the window because they know where I'm going with this. And I used to love Wendy's back in the day. So anyway, I so I go in and I order my double combo and that sort of thing. And then I pull up to the window. I'm waiting for my order. And I hear the lady go in there and say, uh, get three cookies ready, six cookies, because I guess somebody behind me ordered cookies. So I just say in passing, I go, cookies? I go, I didn't know you had cookies. She goes, yeah, we got cookies. We got sugar cookies. Do you want one? I go, no, that's that's okay. She went and put a cookie in my bag today. Put it in the bag. So I come to the station, offer it to our GM. He goes, nope, bad for our bad for my diet. No, thank you. To our lovely um controller, receptionist, whatever. She does it all. I call her the controller because she really controls the building. The lovely Michelle. She goes, no. Nope. I can't have the cookie. And what do they say? They go, offer it to your board op. <laughs> I'll eat anything. That's exactly. And Michelle says, don't give him that. He has enough sugar, which we've detailed on this program many times. You and your Red Bulls and your Coca-Colas and your Dr. Peppers, and you got the pure water today. I, I impressed that. Yeah, I couldn't give this cookie away. So I bring it to the studio today, and next thing I know, this cookie is being devoured in the in the midst of my call it a monologue or tyrant or what it's not a tirade it's not but there is so that's where we go so bottom line is I I didn't want the cookie because I don't eat cookies during the day as you know I'm very well regimented in in my meal plans yeah oh and by the way tonight I'll just keep on going blue ribbon tonight <laughs> yeah a bucket of chicken. yeah it's it's coming tonight yeah. Yeah, because I got to wine and dine. You know, my girl plays for the Connecticut Sun, you know, T-Sizzle. She had a good game last night, too, for the Sun, but in town, family, so uh, spending time with them. It, it's great to see, like I said, one of my former players and someone who's very close to me uh, succeeding in the WNBA. Appreciate that. But anyway, the cookie, is it any good? Because I got to go back to this Wendy's and, and, and give my response to this. It is very good, actually. It's really good. I won't lie; it's very good. Okay, you think it's fresh? Yes. Okay, but you I mean, it was more... but you'll eat anything. You're the same guy that I brought. Didn't I bring that? that who a listener? That's right. Brought the Impossible Burger for us, right? I, I wouldn't touch an Impossible Burger. Yeah. That wasn't me. It was Quake. It was, of course. Where's Steve Saxony? Oh, Steve's coming on next week. But anyway, yes, we're all over the place here. It was great. Now what? I'm going to need Andy Ishko here in a couple minutes to save me. But anyway, so check out Alan Snell's article, LV Sports Biz, about getting more fans to the house. Here's the bottom line. This is a great product. Aces do a great job. And you hear me say it all the time. If you haven't been to a WNBA, WNBA game, go. I don't know what the excuse is. You hear these players, just about all of them, on this show. You hear the owner on the show. You hear the former head coach and Bill Lambeer on the show. You hear Becky Hammond on the You hear everybody. They are all engaging. How can you not like to root for this? You don't hear about any DUI stories, do you? 
You don't hear about any other nonsense stories there. These are athletes that really take care of themselves. All right? And I know where you're going with this. Yes, Liz Campage is gone. I understand that. Yes, she is. (laughs) But the product is good. The in-game experience is good. We mentioned the celebrities. Dwayne Wade was here a game before last. Tom Brady comes in last night. Coolio's performing at halftime. Uh, This is what you're getting. You're getting the Cirque du Soleil shows. Blue Man Group a couple games ago. I mean, you're getting a great in-game experience, and it's very affordable. Every time that I invite someone to come to the game, they say, wow, this is really cool. This is good. And that's how you build a fan base. I'd like to see the Aces dish out more tickets to schools. And I think I said that in, in Alan Snell's article. Dish out more tickets to schools. Let these kids and families experience the games. Get them in the building. Make it a, a family and kid experience. Because the kids are there and they're having a great time. I mean, you got buckets, you got an engaging mascot jumping on that trampoline, people trying to hit three point shots over over him at the end of the third quarter. Giveaways, t shirts, tons of t shirts given away. It's a great in game experience. This is not a minor league franchise, it's not a minor league sport. This is the WNBA, the best women's basketball organization in the world. And you've got superstars. Look at all of the Olympic gold medalists. The women's team USA. More successful than the men. They don't have those lapses. They just dominate because they get the best players that represent their country in world championships and the Olympic Games. There is not a negative, not a downside to supporting this organization. And I know some people out there say, well, yeah, it's because you work for the organization, you be doing the play-by-play. Yeah, I love basketball. Bill Cartwright, all these NBA guys, Tracy Murray that we have on our regulars, they tell you the same thing. Jay Schrader comes out to the game. He experienced it. He loves it. It's just, if you come and experience it, it's hard for you to say, I didn't have a good time. And the caliber of basketball is great. You have to get more people out there. And here's what you're in the midst of now. You're getting a lot of Johnny-come-latelys. You know, they're, they're, they're coming and jumping on the bandwagon, either from a media perspective or fans, which is great. That's what we want. You've got the team that has the best record in the NBA, 9 in one, you got Becky Hammond on a historic run right here. All right, the only coach in WNBA history to win nine of her first ten games in a head coaching career. Coach of the month, she's going to be coach of the year. And again, you've got an owner that's not afraid to spend money and do this. So, yeah. How do you get nine, ten thousand there? You're getting five and six thousand, which is fine, but come playoff time, opening night, we had a sellout, ten thousand. We're gonna get there. But the bottom line is it's you gotta experience it. And for fans that have not been to a game, go to a game and experience it and check out the product. It is good. Tomorrow night, check it out against Connecticut Sun. All right. Let's bring in Andy Isco as I just ramble around all kinds of stuff here. But Andy can relate to that because Andy's a food guy like myself. He's a sports guy. He's well-versed, all of the above. He's a TV guy. you got to love it. Andy, what's going on, my man? You are a rambling, gambling man. <laughs> this is true. As and, the, uh, hey, as the Allman Brothers once said, Andy, as you well know, Lord, I'm a rambling man. A great song, right? 1972, I believe. 
Right around that era, absolutely. It still uh, holds true today. One of the great songs. That one and uh, Kenny Rogers, The Gambler, and uh, oh, there are so many we could talk about. But, uh, uh, but by the way, did you like my definition of dynasty? I do, and I want you to explain it for our listeners. Andy Isco's uh, The World According to Andy's uh, Version of Dynasty. Go. Well, you mentioned the dictionary definition, and the key phrase there is roughly uh, continuous or uninterrupted uh, ruler, rulership or leadership. So technically, I would say that the closest that comes in the sports world to the dynasty would be uh, the Celtics and the UCLA Bruins in basketball during the uh, f- uh, 50s, 60s for the, uh, uh, for the Celtics and the 60s into the 70s for uh, UCLA. You could make a case that uh, uh, the Bulls would come closest in a more, I guess, uh, uh, common sense type, but strictly uh, there has to be that uninterrupted uh, continuous leadership like the Ming Dynasty or other dynasties that would go literally for hundreds of years. We have a Ming Dynasty. I think that's the first time we've had a Ming Dynasty or historical reference in that proportion, Andy. That's strong. That's good. Well, it's, it's just, I mean, it, you know, because I always was like the New England Patriots. I think the definition for sports has to be a little bit different. You could right. make the case as you did with uh, Bill Cartwright that if the Warriors win this year, that could be called a dynasty. The Yankees of, you know, the 30s into the 40s and into the 50s uh, would qualify. So that not technically uninterrupted, but the dominant team in the, in the sport for an extended period of time, even if it wasn't continuous. You know, you're right. Uh, and here's the thing. You know, we haven't – everything that you are referencing are decades beyond decades ago. And obviously the leagues were, were smaller in the amount of teams they had. We're not dealing with well, that, salary caps. Key, by the way, right. that, that's the way the key – I was going to think about the Boston Celtics. When, when they won their dynasties, I think there were four teams – in each each of the two conferences, and then up to five teams in each conference. So it was a lot easier to be dominant when the opposition was less, and you basically had to win just two rounds of the playoffs to be uh, the championship. So uh, in a sports sense, I think dynasty can be uh, redefined to not be the literal continuous or uninterrupted, but basically over an extended period. And I think by that definition, you'd have to say the New England Patriots, when you consider the number of Super Bowls they won and the time span over which they won them, uh, you could talk about uh, the Bulls, like I said before, and uh, some of the other teams. So I think that, that that is the way I think that a sports fan would define a, di- a dynasty, and I'm in total agreement. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. And I think, the, and I think the, a lot of fans actually look at it like that, and they just they think, well, if you've won you know, two or three titles in a row or you've won three out of four, it's just a no-brainer. We're going to call it a dynasty. But again, I would, the, call, I, would call, I would call that maybe a mini-dynasty. Right, right. And I think that's the thing here because, you know, when you use the term dynasty, you're really going from a historical standpoint and really a non-sports standpoint. So that's what's difficult here. But and so with all that being said, as we move forward here and what we've seen in the last basically 10, 20 years, you know, with the balance that we have, the way the draft unfolds, with the salary cap, with everything, you know, trying to be as fair as possible. And, and I think that's what these leagues need to do. Is it, you know, possible that we don't ever see maybe a dynasty like that again with UCLA and the Celtics, whatever? Because I just don't think that sports leagues are built that way to have that. And we know that people complain and actually have hatred towards those teams, you know, that are like that as well, too. So I guess that begs the question, is that is that good for sports or bad for sports? 
I, I think it's both. You know, it's the old uh, uh, adage, you love to uh, root for the winning teams and other Fans love to root against the winning team. You know, everybody was rooting against the Yankees when they were winning all their baseball championships in the 50s and 60s, and yet others were rooting for them because, in effect, what you're saying is, I admire excellence. And a dynasty, almost by definition, is this excellence, and in many cases, you know, sustained excellence. I guess the closest that we have in the... Uh, in, in the uh, world of baseball would be the uh, uh, the Giants winning three World Series in five years. That may be about as close as, as we've come. But Bill mentioned the right thing. Player movement is you know, mostly, of course, in the professional ranks. And in the colleges, like college basketball, if, if unless you include something other than championships, like trip to the playoffs, trips to the Final Four, something like that, it's almost impossible in basketball to have that kind of run uh, because, first of all, the players stay only two or three years, and there's just so much talent amongst the 358 or whatever the number is, 53 college basketball teams, that it's almost impossible, especially if you, if you must insist on a championship as being the definition of being part of a dynasty, it's very difficult in a one-and-done uh, format. Yeah, no doubt about it. Andy Isco joins us here. Handicapper extraordinaire. Like I said, the author of The Illogical Approach. See, you're bringing, you're bringing logic you know, to the show, which I love, Andy. Outstanding stuff there. Let's talk a the little... Pro- the, problem, the problem with logic sometimes is that it makes sense logically, but you're talking about human behavior, so it <laughs> often does not play out the way that the numbers suggest you should. I, I've maintained uh, handicapping betting is part art, part science. Science are in the statistics, the power ratings. The art are the factoring in the intangible situations, revenge, momentum, uh, road trip scheduling, et cetera, things like that. So it's a fine balance, whereas I used to be mostly, uh, let's say 35 years ago, 75% stats and uh, uh, 25% art. It's probably more the other way right now, simply because the lines makers do a very good job. Look at the way he came almost right on the number for the final game between uh, Boston and Miami, the result of which could have been a coin flip either way, both side and total. You got it. So, Andy, let me. Let, I want to talk a little baseball with you, and I want to get your take on this. I do a baseball MLB show that is on YouTube. It's uh, presented by uh, BetUS TV, and I'm on there with two other handicappers. Uh, one guy kind of handicaps like, like myself, and then another guy that we have, uh, you may know, it goes by the name of Base Winner. He's an analytical guy, and he's a sabermetrics guy. And we get into these debates all the time about, you know, hand, when we handicap the daily games and everything. And so Base Winner is one of these guys that just is strictly sabermetrics, analytics, and sometimes that's hard for people to understand and especially we had this debate the other day where, according to his ratings, Justin Verlander was the 25th best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Now, obviously, that's not true. You look at Justin Verlander's success, his ERA, more than likely he's a Cy Young Award candidate coming up this year. And I make the argument he'll probably be the comeback player of the year because coming back from the surgery and everything, missing basically nearly two full years. When you handicap baseball... How much do you get into the sabermetrics analytics part of it and what goes into your handicapping? And what do you think of those just purely analytical guys that we see from a handicapper's perspective, but what Major League Baseball is all about now in their front office? 
Uh, the problem, and I'm a big believer in analytics, but they are just a tool or a guide that sometimes will answer other questions that need to be answered that can't be found in the uh, in the numbers. I wonder how many people who use analytics would have backed the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates the last two nights against the Dodgers. Right. I mean, none of the numbers pointed to that. Uh, you had you had a game that I recall that you really loved. I think it was Verlander's last start. Yeah. Okay. Yep. If you go by all the metrics. Of, of Verlander, the Astros, the opponent, it's almost impossible to have made a case for the other side. At some point, because Verlander had been pitching as well as he has, he's going to be due for a bad effort. Mm-hmm. Problem is, you don't know, is he due in his next start, two starts down the road? Or maybe last week's bad start was the one bad start he's going to have over an eight-week period. You don't know that because these games, the saber metrics are good for evaluating uh, well, I guess it's almost true of any statistic, a whole large sample of data, which is made up of individual individual performances, some good, some bad, some average. Well, he's shown the ability, whoever it is, has shown the ability to be all three. He's been average at most, he's been good at, he's been very good at some, and very bad at some. So that's a profile generally, uh, you know, of a pitcher over his performance. Now, you want to take a look, I like to look at a, um, at a pitcher's last three starts and his last five starts. Gauge a little bit of momentum. I'd be interested to find out what his numbers are, and maybe you talked about it already, uh, where he ranks uh, Martin Perez of Texas this year, uh, who's having an absolutely stellar season, and you could argue should be the number one uh, American League Cy Young candidate. Right, and, and again, I had Martin Perez yesterday and talked about that yesterday as well, too, saying, okay, this you cannot argue with what he's done so far this year. And I think a lot of the analytics sabermetrics guy, they always use the term expected. Well, that's not how we, we're not, uh, you know, handicapping on what a guy's going to be in June, July, or August. We're basically got to put more credence into where he's at right now, what the pitching matchup is, maybe his history. You know, it's, it's a lot of past stuff, right, Andy? It's past stuff that's happened last week, a couple starts ago, currently right now, or maybe even the last season or two against a specific opponent especially if those guys have a lot of returning guys. Yeah, that's true. And also, you use the word expected. I'll use the word average in there. And you know what a player's average or expected performance is. But how many times, let's say over the course of a season, has he hit a game that is almost exactly on average? Maybe he's been a little bit better. Maybe he's been a lot better in when you look at each game, or a lot worse, or a little bit worse, but never exactly playing his average expected Performance. You got it. All right. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to factor in a lot of. Again, the the statistics are the numbers that shows what he's accomplished over whatever period of time the statistics cover. But you also have to factor in the other surrounding factors because no unit. Let's put it this way: the two hundred now seventy-two game NFL schedule over seventeen weeks. No game of those two seventy-two is played under the exact same conditions as, let's say, the other 271. Right. You're absolutely correct with that. Exactly. You know, in betting baseball, you you have to factor in the money line as well, too. And like you said, I mean, the Dodgers. I mean, we're seeing three 350 favorites here, you know, in the month of May, first part of June. And that's that's pretty crazy. And the Pittsburgh Pirates have defeated the Dodgers four of the last five games, and they've been a minimum of $2 underdogs, and they've gotten the money. 
you know, uh, in, in these situations as well, too. So, you know, that's another thing. The difference you talk about football and basketball, you're factoring point spreads in comparison to baseball where you're just dealing with this money line. And, and it does make it a little bit uh, difficult as well, too, you know, for people. Because, you know, just like, uh, uh, you know, I do, there are people that won't play Major League Baseball favorites if they're, say, minus more than 150 or 160. They, ah, I don't want nothing to do with that game. It's like, well, you know, if you want to bet the better teams and the better pitchers, I mean, you're going to have to do that or you're going to have to find a creative way and maybe play a run line or something else. But then again, you know, especially if it's a home team, they're only getting eight at bats. I mean, there are disadvantages to that as well, too. So for me, I mean, baseball, you know, we love handicapping all these sports, Andy, but, you know, sometimes baseball, they have these other nuances uh, that, that factor in, and it's probably why baseball isn't as popular from a handicapping perspective or betting perspective from the casual fan in comparison to football or basketball. Well, I think the other part of it, except for a short time during the summer, there are other sports going on. Baseball is a day-by-day grind it out. You know, you're handicapping 15 games a day, let's say six games a week for each team. So uh, it's, it's, it takes a lot to, uh, uh, to find the time to do all that. Uh, you mentioned things in baseball. The one thing that uh, I'm not crazy about a lot of the recent rule changes, but the one that I definitely don't like is uh, starting that runner on second base in the 10th inning because, and here's where numbers come into play. It's a huge advantage for the road team simply because he, they didn't do anything to get the runner on second. And if you take a look at the statistics, you have better than a 50-50 chance of scoring at least one run if you start with a runner on second and nobody out as opposed to a runner on second and one out. And so you're starting these, the, the extra innings with uh, a runner on second and nobody out that didn't learn – that didn't – uh, earn his way to second base, so automatically you're starting off with a better than 50-50 chance of producing a run. And, of course, that puts the road team at a tremendous advantage for two things. Well, obviously, they can score as many runs as possible in the top of the inning, but the other thing is if they do score that expected at least one run and often more, it totally changes the strategy for what they do defensively in the bottom half of the inning. So that is another thing to keep in mind. But you, you mentioned about the 150. I generally am one of those who does not like to lay more than 150. If I can't find a reason to, let's say, put him in a parlay with another big favorite or play that 150 uh, 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 favorite straight, I pass. Now, the reason I mention that is if you do the math, and I think I may have texted it to you uh, earlier this season, if you parlay a pair of $2 favorites and you hit that two-teamer, the payoff is as if you had played a single plus-125 underdog. Yes. So if I can find a significant edge in the starting pitch-up matchups in those two games, that's the way that I generally handle that situation. Yeah, and that's exactly what I did today uh, with the Astros and, and the Dodgers. I'm not sure you have much of a pitching advantage in the Dodger game, but you know, with the Astro game, uh, I, I felt that way, even though you know Verlander was cruising earlier on, then he had a bad eighth inning, but it looks like the Astros are going to come back and, and, and win this game with their uh, eruption in the ninth. But yeah, I agree with you, Andy. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking two favorites like that and turn that into plus money or maybe uh, you know, uh, you know, a small you know favorite there. Uh, oh, and by, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with passing a game or passing a yes. day if you don't feel comfortable about the situation. Absolutely correct. You got you got 2,430 games in a regular Major League Baseball season. That's plenty of opportunities. 
And uh, it's, uh, I also don't mind taking a day off because it is a seven-day-a-week grind. Yes. And sometimes your your thought processes are affected by, gee, I really did well the last few days. I want to continue. Or, gee, I'm in a bad slump. Take time to get refreshed. There's nothing wrong with that. You have plenty of opportunities. Absolutely correct. Great stuff. See, the logical approach by Andy Ishko. Great stuff there, my friend. All right, my man. Uh, we'll let you get back to it. With that being said, is there any baseball that you like uh, that's left here today on the docket? Uh, the one game that mathematically came up, but I'm a little queasy about the offense if they're able to do it because they're going up against two very weak starting pitchers, is the Seattle-Baltimore game over the uh, uh, the eight and a half. Uh, that's, uh, I can never trust Baltimore. I can never trust Seattle. They're two offenses. But if there are pitchers that are in poor form right now that I think that they can uh, get to, this would uh, uh, be the game. The other one I looked at is a pick'em game uh, with Detroit and Scooble. Uh, the lefty. Uh, he's really had a very solid and consistent season, so I didn't mind playing the Tigers tonight at Pickham. Alright, good stuff, Andy. Alright, my man, I appreciate it, uh, as always, uh, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you soon. I'll, let's get you down to the Cosmopolitan on Friday if you can make it out there with us. I'll try it someday. I can't do it this week, and then I'm going to be back east for two weeks. But uh, yeah. right now, after uh, spending the time with you, I'm going to go to one of my other passions, and uh, it's lunchtime. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. There you go. Enjoy, my friend. Indulge, okay? Always a pleasure, TC. Take care and good luck. Thank you very much. Appreciate him. Andy Isco. Uh, he's on it. Love it. One of our uh, great handicappers out there has been doing it a long, long time. All right, we come back. A guy who's been doing television news for a long, long time. Brian Selman, News 3, joins us next. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. TC Martin. Come on down, join us at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on Friday. Come check it out. Jay Schrader going to be in the house. Jay Schrader's got his golf tournament coming up here next week as well, too. So get signed up there. Oh, yeah. The hits just keep on coming, right? B. Sal, Brian Salmon, the world-famous sports director over at News 3. I don't know. I'm just kind of like got my feet up right now, kicking back. Because I know when B. Sal comes on, we can just kind of just lounge around, pump up the jam a little bit, talk a little sports and whatever else. What is going on, my man? What's happening, man? I'm just, I'm just here to give folks a fantastic uh, voyage. Journey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm trying to do, man. <laughs> What's happening? Uh, there you go, man. We got your boy Coolio right now. I know you like a little Coolio. And, uh, of course. I, 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 know, of course. I saw your boy Jesse Merrick trying to bounce his head around uh, to, to Coolio last night. What about you? Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to the game, but I, know. Uh, I, saw that he, I saw that he was there. Man, I love Coolio, man. I met him at um, I met him a few times. Him, I actually met his, his wife as well, man. He, the fact that he lives in Vegas and the fact that Coolio is a basketball fan, man, out there supporting the Aces, man, you got to love it. Yeah, I know. And Asia was impressed because Asia said, hey, he was wearing my jersey last night. There you go. He was wearing your jersey? Asia's jersey. Asia Wilson. Oh, Asia. I was like, yeah, that's dope, man. That's, that's really dope. <laughs> uh, Asia's a star, man. Of, of course. Yeah, I'm Huge sorry. Huge star. I'm sorry, B. Salad. I don't have a jersey, so I thought you knew that. <laughs> I thought you might have had a custom one with your name on the back, man, like number, number 95 or something like that. Ain't no 95, but... But the guy who is the hype guy oh, at the Aces game, 
I, I saw this last night, and he had my name on this on his like eight ball jacket or whatever, and he had, he had Martin on there. I'm going, wait a minute, and I never got a chance to talk to him. Say, hey, wait, where'd you get that? What that's what is that all about? He's got my name. Oh, wow. He's wearing my name, and then he wow. had the short. He had the matching shorts because you know last night was like the throwback you know night, and they they tried to bust out the old school. You know, kicks and the sneakers, and then everybody's wearing it. Even your boy Buckets, uh, you know, had on some old old school gear too last night. Oh, that's dope, man! Man, I, I knew that I missed one game. I know. My mother's been in town for a week, man. So, and last night she left. I had to take her to the airport, so I hung out with mom. And uh, everyone's in the house, and the game is crazy. I watched it on TV. All right, cool, man. <laughs> All right, all right. I appreciate that, man. All right, so B. Sal uh, in the mix here, and let's talk a little Warriors-Celtics tomorrow night. Looking forward to it, man. Here we go. Now, you got ties to both coasts here, both cities, both teams (laughs) here, man. You you covered them both back in the day. Come on, man. Who you got, Mr. Mr. East Bay, or are you going to go to Clam Chowder Town? What do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going where I was born, man, and, and lived for the first half of my life, man. I got to go with the yay area, yeah. especially then we got E40 sitting in the front row, E40 from Vallejo, California, IA. Come on, man. I'm all about the, uh, all about the Warriors, man. Even though as a kid, I used to go to their games, but I used to root for the Sixers because, you know, my family's from Philly. Yeah. My, my pops and mom are from Philly, but I used to go to Warriors games, man, and I hated the Celtics, because they used to beat the Sixers all the time, Dr. J, Larry Bird, that whole thing. So, um, but even though my time in Boston, I really, really enjoyed going to uh, the Boston Garden. I got a chance to play basketball in the garden, on the floor, draining threes. Yes, I mean, that felt cool. Um, Marcus Smart was, like, one of my guys when I was there. He was real good people. But he's really – I think he may be the only player on the team – that was there when I covered the Celtics in Boston. So uh, it's not like I have a whole lot of ties on the team currently. And Brad Stevens was a the coach then. So mm-hmm. got to go with the Warriors, baby. So I want to go back to you shooting hoops on the parquet floor in the garden. Now, is it true that did you experience any of those dead spots that people always talk about was on that old school floor? I, I didn't experience any of that at all. Um, Remember that, well, let me just note that the fact when I, when I hooped, I was at TD Garden, which is the yeah, one they that, have okay. currently. Yeah, that doesn't count then. That doesn't count. So, that, that, so that, you were not at the Boston Garden. You were not at the famed, stinky, steamy Boston Garden where the locker rooms are down below and, and sometimes in the summertime it'd be like 120 in there. You didn't get that or those you know, dead spots that, uh, that they had <laughs> back on the floor with the Dennis Johnson, those guys. No, no, I didn't get a chance to play on that garden with the parquet floor with with DJ and Robert Parrish and all those guys. (laughs) Although, man, before games, though, I used to always, not always, but oftentimes I would sit down and eat uh, dinner with uh, Cornbread Maxwell and Tommy Heisen before the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a good time, man. I used to love it. I I used to love going in there. But did you have any cornbread with cornbread? (laughs) No, I'm honestly not even a big fan of Cornbread the Food. Cornbread Maxwell the Man was one of my guys, man. He, you saw, you see the suits that I wear. He wears those kind of suits, but they're much bigger and longer. <laughs> wait, wait, time out. Rewind. 
Who is not a fan of cornbread? I mean, Cedric Maxwell is probably turning over right now saying, B-Sound, what are you talking about? Who is not a friend uh, of cornbread? You have to, oh, freshly baked cornbread, go into a barbecue <laughs> joint. B-Sound, that's, that's like uh, must have. No, nah, I mean, I'll take, a, I'll take a buttered biscuit or some kind of a roll with honey and butter over cornbread any day, man. I'll take the biscuits from... <laughs> Are you telling me that cornbread is better than the biscuits you get at Red Lobster or the rolls that you get at um at uh the Longhorn Steakhouse? No way. <laughs> well, the Longhorn Steakhouse. You talking? You never, about... you never had the rolls? Yeah, I have. The honey rolls? Yeah, I th- aren't Ooh. you? Aren't you talking more about Texas Roadhouse? Texas Roadhouse, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a that's a movie with a. Uh, with, with uh, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> right, right, right. No, there is a Longhorn Steakhouse. There used to be a Longhorn Steakhouse here in Vegas, and they had a couple other places right. as well, too. Okay, okay. There you go. Okay, so yeah, the, the what's the one, that's, the one that's out in North Las Vegas? I think it's a, it's a Longhorn or Texas. It's a Texas Steakhouse, maybe. Yeah, te- yeah, Texas Roadhouse. That bread is fantastic. But again, oh my I, God. I, I, it's not so really, good. it's not in the cornbread family. So let's remember that, okay? It's not in the cornbread okay, family. Okay, I'm just talking about bread before. I mean, okay, if you want to go in the cornbread family, I'll go with uh, pancakes over cornbread <laughs> or waffles over cornbread any day. I love waffles. How about that? There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, B. Sal's endorsing cornbread as a nutritious element of everyone's breakfast. Right there. Waffles, pancakes, <laughs> cornbread. Oh. oh man! Come on, man! You can't, you cannot beat waffles. Oh, I love I, waffles. I, I dare you to find me yes a better breakfast food than waffles. No. Man. Oh, oh, love uh, waffles. No, but it, but it, but it, but as our man from uh, you know Shock G used to say, does I grab him in the biscuits? You know, I'm not a biscuits <laughs> guy. I, I just, I just like that uh, little digital underground, my friend. But no, no biscuits for me. Can't do biscuits. To me, biscuits just—it's too bready. And again, you've got to really doctor that up, like you said, with butter and honey and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. What, what about cornbread, man? You don't put syrup on your cornbread. That's how most people eat it with you, butter. You or can, syrup or but but the thing is, cornbread is good to go. I mean, right when it comes out of the oven, I mean, it's nice and soft. You know, again, it's it's got it's got sweet stuff in there, man. You know. Okay, it's all right. Some people some people put too much cornmeal in their cornbread. It's too it's too corny. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. There it is. <laughs> All right. How about Digital Underground? You got to do a little Digital Underground love? I know you do. Come on, man. Do what you like. You probably don't even know that song. Do oh, what you oh like. yeah. You, you would think after all these years now, you know that you're not going to be able to get stuff by me like that. Tell me what I know. Come on, man. All right. All right. Man, so, man. Anyway, go who, ahead. Who made, who made their rap debut with Digital Underground? Who made their rap debut? Are you ta- Rap debut. Famous rapper, people love this guy. Well, we know it wasn't. It, it certainly wasn't the rapping Duke. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not the rapping Duke. But it's a man that people have in their top five. A lot of people have in their top five. You, you, you should know okay. this. You real? I do know this. I just can't believe that you're going to try to to stump me with something that's so juvenile or trivial. I mean, uh, I'd be a little Tupac. Uh, <laughs> Okay, Numbjack. Okay, Numbjack. Okay, okay. See how we coordinate okay. like that? See how we coordinate? Uh, you, you, 
Yeah, I, I have to tip my hat, man. That was well played by the both of you. Well played, sir. There you go. Well brother. played. All right, so you're going. You're going Warriors. All right, break it down for me. How many? How many games are we going here? Man, I've, I've I've been watching videos on it, trying to get like the national take on it. Um, I think I would love to see the game. The games go six um, or even seven if it, you know they win back in in San Francisco. Um, I, I think that my heart is really telling me that the Warriors may win this thing in six. I I, I want to go and say that my heart is telling me that they will not have as big of a problem as many people think that they may have with the Celtics. Um, Marcus Smart, whom is, I remember when I worked in Boston, I used to talk trash like this dude can't shoot. Why does he keep shooting? He's terrible. He made himself into an all defensive player. I think people are, I've seen people pick him as a better defender than Draymond Green, which to me is absurd. I think Steph Curry's got a lot of pressure and I think people are discounting him in this. So I think he has something to prove. Steph has something to prove. Draymond has something to prove. A motivated team that I think is probably more talented than Boston, more experienced than Boston, may come out and just show the shock the world. And so I'm going with the I'm going with the Warriors instead. And so, yeah, I can endorse that. I you know again from a matchup perspective, I just don't think over the course of the series the Celtics uh, can do that. We've seen just too many lapses with the Celtics. You know, I mean, offensively, again, if they're not hitting the threes, see, the Warriors could still win B-Sal even if they're not hitting the threes. I mean, they're not that yeah. they're not that type of team like Dallas or Milwaukee or Boston or Miami. It's like, okay, that they're going to get drilled if they're not hitting the three. They can still find other ways to win. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, wait a minute, they got blown up by Memphis and in that game. And then they got, you know, one game like that was in the last series as well too. But for the most part, those are more just – lapses that the Warriors have. You know what I'm saying? There's not they're not gonna Absolutely. have any lapses in the NBA finals. You I in the in all the years past, we've never seen the Warriors, you know, get blown out in in the finals. You know, you're not gonna see that, I don't think. And I just think that from an experience factor, advantage Golden State big time in comparison to Boston. I mean Tatum's a nice player. Brown's a nice player, but I think, you know, Horford's nice, but you know, again, is Al Horford gonna have is he going to have advantages uh, against the Warriors bigs? I don't think so. He's not going to have open looks like that. Exactly. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, think about this. The, the Boston Celtics basically won because Miami, you know, they, they had good defense against Miami, but Miami basically couldn't shoot. They shot themselves Miami out of those score. games. They shot themselves yeah. out of them. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because their offense was just putrid. It was just terrible. So – I don't think that's going to be a problem with the Warriors. All things being equal, everyone being healthy, you know, the Warriors are not going to have trouble. Somebody's going to be able to shoot, whether it be Steph, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole. Um, you know, even even if uh, Andrew Wiggins continues to play as, as well as he's been, I, I think the matchup that people are, are really kind of glossing over is Andrew Wiggins against Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Similar bodies. Uh, Wiggins is more athletic than Tatum. Wiggins has balled out during the playoffs defensively. That'll allow Draymond Green to kind of roam and maybe play against uh, against Brown. So, uh, I, I, man, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to this series, man. I, I can't wait tomorrow. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm with you. Again, I think it's the best possible series that 
that we could have, um, and I think that's the best series that the NBA could actually, you know, put forth there. I mean, Boston, Golden State, you've got East Coast, West Coast, you've got a lot of history there. You've got the best offensive team in the Warriors, arguably the best defensive team in the Celtics. No, it just, it kind of just it hits, hits all the angles there, no doubt. And it, I'm not a real big fan of the gaps that we get in between these finals games because we haven't had any elongated gaps in the previous series, we're basically playing, you know, every other night. Uh, but now you're going to have game one on Thursday, game two, no travel involved, not playing till Sunday. And I get that. I mean, you're the TV guy. Sunday? Got, yeah, yeah. Oh, it gets crazy. Uh. So it goes like this. It goes Thursday, Sunday, and again, no travel. So you got just everyone just sitting around. And then the ne- then they travel back to Boston. And they're going to do Wednesday, and then they're going to come back and play Friday. But yeah, you get these gaps in the NBA Finals all for television purposes, and I'm not sure you need. And I'm not sure you need to do this. You know, I mean, let the product speak for itself, and let's get some some consistency or some continuity in the broadcast schedule. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's that's terrible, man. I don't. That's bad. That's really really bad, man. Yeah, I don't want to have to wait. I kind of assumed that Game Two would be on Saturday which is a day that I'm off and a day that I can sit at my house and turn it up loud and watch a big screen and get pumped and watch it. But now I'm going to be sitting at work. Well, you know, the NBA, they love Sundays. I mean, they want that Sunday prime time and that's what they want to do. But if that's the case, why not, you know, do a Friday night game, you know? Oh, because they want Thursday because Thursday is a, is a big night, you know, for television ratings and that sort of thing, much more so than Friday. So, and again, you know all about those ratings, man. You know how that works. I, no, I, I I pay attention to the ratings and what's going on as far as TV. So yeah. I get it, but I mean, I'm like you, man. I'm definitely right there with you. Where the fact that I don't I don't particularly like the fact that we're gonna have to wait forever to watch these games. I know. You're... Although I will say this, um, I don't know if you are, but I know I'm paying attention to uh, the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL with the New York Rangers with Gerard Gallant. And Ryan Reeves, man, I'm watching that. Absolutely, I, we talked about that yesterday, and I think it's it's great, you know, for Vegas Golden Knights fans who just really don't have much of an interest. You've got some interest in this, and plus, what I like about the Rangers, it, they're this underdog mentality. They weren't supposed to yep. be here, and good for nope. Gerard Gallant because you and I both feel the same way. I mean, Gallant got a, got a raw deal, and I know how close you are to Ryan Reeves. I mean, good for him. I mean, how cool would that be for this guy to you know get his name etched on the cup there and. uh I mean, come on. What 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 what, what is wow. the Golden Knights management or front office people thinking whether they see Gerard, Gerard Gallant doing his thing in New York at the Garden in the Mecca? I mean, that's awesome. I know. Awesome. I, I I could not agree with you more, man. Like that is just what they've done already is enough to be like to to have like the brass from the VGK thinking like goodness gracious, uh, we we made we made a mistake. We made a mistake getting rid of Gerard Gallant. Gallant. And then we also made a mistake getting rid of Ryan Reeves because, like we've talked about plenty, the team had no toughness, no enforcer on their team this season, and teams pushed them around and punked them all all day long, man. And I guarantee you, to a man, every player on that team will tell you that they missed having Reeves and knowing, you know, they, they all felt a little bit taller, a little bit bigger on the ice when uh, they knew that they had him on their team. No doubt. He is Brian Salmon. Check him out at News 3, three times nightly pretty much. So tell us what you're working on, man. What do you got going tonight? Uh, well, tonight 
Ooh, this is the night. No cool in the gang. I don't know that song. Yeah. <laughs> tonight. Cool in the gang, man. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. This is the night. Da, 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 da. Oh, tonight. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's some old school. So tonight, yeah. man. I'm, yeah, I know, man. I, I love cool in the gang. Um, so uh, no, I'm, I'm going to run something from uh, the Aces last night, man. I don't know if you had an opportunity to hear Kelsey Plum talk mm-hmm. about her interactions with the goat who happened to be in the building, mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I want to I want to kind of shed that to the world and just really inform people here in Las Vegas, you know, again of the great product that they have at Mandalay Bay that um, that you know sports fans here should get behind in the Aces, man. So I'll be I'll be showing you know some more of the Aces and kind of previewing. Reviewing and previewing the game from last night and the game coming up tomorrow. Thank so, you, man. That, that's awesome. We were just talking about that, about about the exact same thing you're talking about. So I appreciate uh, you doing that, man. Exactly, getting people out there and getting people acclimated because don't get on this train. I mean, fans need to get on this train. Don't miss this train because this yeah. train is rolling right now, and they're going to be rolling, you know, to the finals this year, and hopefully, potentially, rolling to a WNBA championship. So, yeah, jump on. We're fine. The Johnny Come Latelys want to come on here and jump on board. Do it. They should support. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if if the games are good enough for Tom Brady, the games are good enough. For Darren Waller, the yeah. games are, are good enough for uh, Dwayne Wade. I think the average fan can come and watch. <laughs> Perfect, man. Appreciate it. Well, B-Sal, we'll look forward to seeing you out there tomorrow night, man. Absolutely. My guy, CC, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Nunchuck, man. Very well played with the Digital Underground, man, <laughs> and the California love. That's well how we, done. There you go, brother. All right, man. Uh, watch B-Sal. Tonight, what do we got? Six ten in uh, in eleven. Eleven. Right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. I there you go. I got it down. I got it down. All right, brother. Be cool. <laughs> Thanks a lot, and we'll catch you tomorrow at the house. All right, guys, man. Have a good night. There it is. All right, I want to thank Brian Salmon for joining us. The big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright, until his phone blew up. We got word that it actually blew up. Craziness. Yeah. Rule out the toilet there, Numbshuck. There you go. All right, uh, good stuff. And want to thank the MVP, Asia Wilson, for joining us. Go to the website, check out the interview, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Back at it tomorrow. Game one, Warriors, Celtics tomorrow night. Jim Barnett will be joining us live from the Chase Center. That and a whole lot more. Scott Spritzer from a handicapping perspective. Yeah! Pumping it up. Popping, locking, rocking, shocking, right here, only here. TC Martin Show, old school baby. Oh, rock, rock, man, rock. Baby.